This evening's talk is about faith. And uh, beginning with a short story. It's called The Garden. Frog was in his garden. Toad came walking by. What a fine garden you have, Frog, he said. Yes, said Frog, it's very nice, but it was hard work. I wish I had a garden, said Toad. Here are some flower seeds. Plant them in the ground, said Frog, and soon you will have a garden. How soon, asked Toad. Quite soon, said Frog. Toad ran home. He planted the flower seeds. Now seeds, said Toad, start growing. Toad walked up and down a few times. The seeds did not start to grow. Toad put his head close to the ground and said loudly, Now seeds, start growing. Toad looked at the ground again. The seeds did not start to grow. Toad put his head very close to the ground and shouted, Now seeds, start growing. Frog came running up the path. What's all the noise, he asked. My seeds will not grow, said Toad. You're shouting too much, said Frog. These poor seeds are afraid to grow. My seeds are afraid to grow, asked Toad. Of course, said Frog. Leave them alone for a few days. Let the sun shine on them. Let the rain fall on them. Soon your seeds will start to grow. That night, Toad looked out his window. Drat, said Toad. My seeds have not started to grow. They must be afraid of the dark. Toad went out to his garden with some candles. I will read the seeds a story, said Toad. Then they won't be afraid. Toad read a long story to his seeds. All the next day, Toad sang songs to his seeds. And all the next day, Toad read poems to his seeds. And all the next day, Toad played music for his seeds. Toad looked at the ground. The seeds still did not start to grow. Oh, what shall I do, cried Toad. There must be, these must be the most frightened seeds in the whole world. Then Toad felt very tired and he fell asleep. Toad, Toad, wake up, said Frog. Look at your garden. Toad looked at his garden. Little green plants were coming up out of the ground. At last, shouted Toad, my seeds have stopped being afraid to grow. And now you will have a nice garden too, said Frog. Yes, said Toad, but you were right, Frog. It was very hard work. About two months ago, I ordered uh, seeds from my favorite gardening catalog. After they arrived, with a a fair degree of excitement, um, I noticed them every day as they sat on the dining room table, waiting for a more sustaining warmth 
of spring before being put into the ground. Every year, and I've been uh, growing vegetables and flowers for many, many years, and still, every single year, I notice a sense of awe and faith when I observe the tiny little seeds in my hand and then carefully put them into the ground. And no matter how many times I've done this, awe in relationship to the mystery that these little tiny dots do what they do, and faith based in years of experience, that in fact they will, or at least most of them, will eventually burst out of their tiny, tight little selves and grow fruit into lettuce, beets, carrots, sunflowers, etc. So I've been considering faith. What is it? Where does it come from? How does it work? What's its role in relationship to the teachings and practices as taught by the Buddha? Is there a difference between faith and belief? And if so, what is the difference? Faith in what? Faith in who? This evening we'll explore each of these questions, at least to some degree. And a quote from Henry David Thoreau from his book called Faith in a Seed. Though I do not believe that a plant will spring up where no seed has been, I have great faith in a seed. Convince me that you have a seed there, and I'm prepared to expect wonders. As I mentioned uh, briefly last evening, in the teachings and the practices that we've inherited from the Buddha, faith is one of the wholesome and beautiful mental factors that develop and blossom through our practice of concentration, mindfulness, and metta, all the Brahma-viharas. And faith is one of five spiritual faculties, or five positive mental factors, which are often called the five spiritual powers. These feed our practice, Uh, as our practice blossoms and strengthens with, with our diligent practice. With the other four, five spiritual powers being effort, energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. So, one aspect of faith is that it's a wholesome power. It's a strength. The Pali word that's translated as faith is sada. And there's really no one word in English that can really fully uh, render the meaning of sada. Faith uh, from this perspective encompasses trust, confidence, courage, strength, devotion, and clarity. The literal translation 
of the Pali word sada is to place the heart upon. In other words, to connect from the heart, to offer one's heart, to give over one's heart. So another aspect of faith is that it's a verb, an action, to place the heart upon, to connect from the heart, to offer one's heart. My Israeli students tell me that the root word of faith in Hebrew is a verb. They tell me that it's not something that we have, but it's rather something that we do. So from this perspective, we could say that we faith, we sada. We're willing to take the next step. We're willing to open to the unknown, to embark on the journey, and to see it as an adventure, to faith. So faith is a power, a strength, and a verb, an action, to place one's heart upon. The Buddha spoke about three levels of faith. The first being what is usually called blind faith, which usually occurs in us when we encounter something or someone that inspires us. And we feel a kind of brightness and maybe some degree of devotion and love in those moments. Usually this uh, type of faith is based in a dependence on someone or something outside of ourselves to make us feel good. So consequently, it's not sustainable and maybe not always rooted in wisdom. The second level of faith Uh, the Buddha spoke about is called verified faith. And this faith is based in confidence that's born out of our own wise reflection and discriminating wisdom as we investigate our own direct experience. So, for instance, we have faith in the truth of anicca. We have faith in the truth of impermanence not because we heard about it or read about it, but because of our own clear observation, investigation, and reflection, and the intuitive understanding that arises out of our own direct and focused mindful attention to our experiences of body, mind, and heart. And so we begin to experience faith in the journey, the amazing, this amazing journey of our awakening. Faith to keep moving forward. Faith to move into the unknown with an open heart, meeting whatever arises, whatever the next moment brings, whatever arises. We could say that this is the first step, recognizing that everything is 
moving onward to something else. Everything inside us and everything outside us. Everything is morphing, changing. From the perspective of the Buddha's teachings and practices, this is really the foundation of faith. The growing recognition and deepening understanding that life is transition or or really uh, there's really there are really no transitions it's all movement continuously out of and into ongoing there's a common myth that Mount Everest is growing about a quarter of an inch every year when actually what's really happening <laughs> is that the landmass of India is continually sinking. And right here in the Towski Valley, the older mountains that are in our view right here are shrinking every year, breaking down, shrinking, collapsing little by little. People come and go in our lives. Systems change. A particular relationship that is very difficult or maybe disappointing may change, may transform into a connection that we trust. Our moods. Maybe we wake up in the morning fearful and then later in the day we feel relaxed and quite reassured. And then in the evening Maybe we experience some uneasiness or edginess, restlessness. And on and on it goes, mood to mood to mood. With our growing wisdom that's rooted in verified faith, we can intimately touch the present moment, which in fact is fading and dissolving into the unknown even as we meet it. With a clear, verified faith, we find that we can open up to what's happening right now in all of its fleeting ephemerality, its mutability, its changing nature, in our bodies, in our mind, and in our heart, and in the world around us. The third level of faith that the Buddha spoke about is a great power. The great power of unshakable faith. And it's rooted in our verified faith. As our mind and heart continue to deepen and strengthen through developing a meditation practice that evolves towards the blossoming and fruiting of concentration, clear mindful awareness, and genuine understanding, insight, and realization. One of the fruits of unshakable faith is the blossoming of a clear and unfettered faith 
in the incredibly vast potential of our understanding and in the direction of our spiritual path. The primary ingredient of heart and mind by which this happens is learning to stay open, stay open and connected in the experience of the moment. Meaning that this unshakable faith is rooted in opening to the mystery, opening to the truth beyond the realm of our often deeply conditioned, habituated ideas, opinions, beliefs, interpretations, and feelings. We don't have to be any sort of special person at all. Not a great saint or some kind of great spiritual master. We just be ourself. Truly ourself. It's our inalienable right, our natural human heritage, to be awake to be a real human being, as my teacher, Burmese teacher Sayada Upandita often said, to be a real human being. Original mind, as it's sometimes called, is simply and naturally our human heritage. The Buddha's teaching and our meditation practice is based on the confidence that the seed of presence, the seed of pure mindful attention, natural awareness, original mind, is present in everybody. Our work, our practice, is to provide the conditions in which that seed can grow. We place our heart upon the potential for unconditional care and love and mindful awareness. For the wakefulness that we really truly are, which has the most delicious taste, even better than our lunch today here in retreat. So, faith in our own direct, immediate, deepest experience, just as it is. This path of awakening asks a very deep and profound willingness of us. Willingness to open directly to our experience. To open the heart and mind to the mystery of experience. And not continue to cling tightly to our habituated ideas, opinions, beliefs, interpretations, feelings, and self-identities. 
Living free of our conditioned habits means living in mindful awareness, living in mindful presence. In the course of growing up, we developed many patterns to meet new situations. For the most part, these patterns continued to evolve and to be repeated over and over. And so our personality is both generally and specifically made up of patterns of reactions that are based on past experiences. This is actually a very primary aspect of what prevents us from seeing clearly in the present moment and what prevents us from responding appropriately in the present moment. Our habituated patterns evolve, get taken on, and thus exclude the unknown, exclude the mystery from our lives to varying degrees. We stay asleep in this pattern reactivity to life. The practice of mindful attention begins to break down the patterns, begins to dismantle the conditioned patterns. We're shifting the basis or the organization, if you will, of our personality away from the habitual conditioned patterns of reaction and away from the habituated construction of who we think we are, our self. We're shifting the basis of our ways of selfing, as I like to call it. Shifting the basis of our ways of selfing to being mindful awareness itself, we could say. With mindful attention and great kindness and care, we're stepping directly into the mystery of our being. And this requires great faith, a willingness to open to the mystery. We can't really expect to know what will unfold in the future. Or, for that, matter, for that matter, the next moment. We can't know what we haven't experienced. I think that one of the greatest problems associated with the practice of true presence is our preconceptions about what presence is. What does it mean? What true presence really is and what emptiness, not self, is, what the mystery of being is. (coughs) 
So the second aspect of faith, verified faith. Excuse me. <laughs> the third aspect of faith. Uh, um, not the second. So just a brief reflection now on the difference between faith and belief. To travel this path, we actually need to rely on faith, not on belief. If we meet experiences with a set of beliefs, It becomes a process of perceiving, interpreting, and understanding experience so that it conforms with our habituated patterns, our learned patterns of perception, habituated ways of thinking and acting. A simple way of saying this is that if we're meeting experience with a set of beliefs, we're reacting our habituated ways of thinking and acting again and again and again. So, faith as willingness and confidence. Confidence and faith based on experience, not on beliefs. Sada, confidence and trust in relationship to our practice, meaning confidence and trust in our own potential for waking up, waking up out of suffering, waking up out of ongoing dissatisfaction, discomfort, disappointment, neediness, faith in the possibility of waking up into this spaciousness of open-hearted presence and ease of being with things as they are, however they are, inside us and outside us. And a quote that I found uh, quite some time ago, I actually don't know who it's from, When you come to the edge of all the light that you know and you're about to step into the darkness of the unknown, faith is knowing that one of two things will happen. There will be something solid to stand on or we will learn to fly. (laughs) Practice informs us that awakening is about living fully and deeply without the false reassurances of our attachments and identifications to habitual explanations and ideas of order and structure. And that's a big thing, actually. (laughs) Stepping into the mystery, embracing life, by learning to live in mindful 
awareness frees us from a sense of unsatisfactoriness, hollowness, separateness, and incompleteness. All of this pervading a life based in habitual reactive patterns. There's a great vitality in a life that's grounded in mindful awareness. And so now the last question to explore during this evening's discussion. Faith in who? Faith in what? And in response to this question, I'd like to close the Dhamma talk with a piece by naturalist and author Barry Lopez called Bowing from his book Arctic Dreams. Glaucus galls fly over. In the shore lead are phalaropes with their twig-like legs. In the distance I can see flocks of old squaw against the sky and a view few cormorants, a patch of shadow that could be several thousand crested oclets too far away to know. Out there are whales I have seen, six or eight gray whales as I walk this evening, and the ice pale as the dove-colored sky. The wind raises the surface of the water, wake of a seal in the shore lead now, gone. I bowed. I bowed to what knows no deliberating legislature or parliament, no religion, no competing theories of economics, an expression of allegiance with the mystery of life. I looked out over the Bering Sea and brought my hands folded to the breast of my parka and bowed from the waist deeply toward the north. That great spirit filled with life, the ice and the water. I held the bow to the pale sulfur sky at the northern rim of the earth. I held the bow until my back ached and my mind was emptied of its categories and designs, its plans and speculations. I bowed before the simple evidence of the moment in my life in a tangible place on the earth that was beautiful. When I stood, I thought I glimpsed my own desire. The landscape and the animals were like something found at the end of a dream. The edges of the real landscape became one with the edges of something I had dreamed. But what I had dreamed was only a pattern, some beautiful pattern of light. The continuous work of the imagination, I thought, to bring what is actual together with what is dreamed is an expression of human evolution. The conscious desire is to achieve a state, even momentarily, that light, light, like light is unbounded, nurturing, suffused with wisdom and creation, 
a state in which one has absorbed that very darkness which before was the perpetual sign of defeat. Whatever world that is, it lies far ahead. But its outline, its intimation is clear in the landscape. And upon this, one can actually hope we will find our way. I bowed again, deeply, toward the north and turned south to retrace my steps over the dark cobbles to the home where I was staying. I was full of appreciation for all that I had seen. And let's sit quietly for a few moments. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.